How's everybody doing tonight? We appreciate the great meal, this pasta spaghetti supper. I've got some outlines that uh, we have a couple of volunteers handing out. And uh, we had a, one of our young professionals uh, ask us to do the, a study of the book of Proverbs. So I'm excited about jumping into Proverbs and learning a little bit about the book of Proverbs. Did I have enough copies? Everybody get a copy? Okay, uh, I wanted to start out tonight just talking a little about the book of Proverbs, and I want to just ask an open-ended question. What do you particularly enjoy about the book of Proverbs, or do you have any favorite Proverbs yourselves um, you want to share? And I've got Roy with the microphone, so he'll come around and Anybody has any comments or thoughts, feelings, favorite proverbs, insight? Thank you, sir. Yeah, okay. All right, anybody else? Thank you, Stacy. I think it's for wisdom. Yeah, it is, it is certainly a book of wisdom, isn't it? Yeah, we'll be talking about wisdom tonight and what the Hebrew word for wisdom is. Anybody else? I personally have always enjoyed Proverbs 31. Anybody know what that is? Anybody know what Proverbs 31 is? Ah, yes. When Meg was at Lipscomb University, she was in a think of sorority. I always get those confused. Fraternity is the men, sorority is the women. But her, as a pledge for that group at school, uh, they made her memorize uh, some verses out of Proverbs 31. And uh, that happened to be a, a, a sorority which produced a lot of good Christian wives, Meg being one of those. But uh, I prayed for wisdom when I was a young college man, because I said, Lord, there's a lot of good Christian women here. I'd like to find one that's a suitable wife that will help me get to heaven and put up with me. I mean, you know, patient woman. But I was able to find Meg. I'm very thankful for that. So, But I've always appreciated Proverbs 31 because it talks about the, the woman who is a godly woman. And we'll be talking about that in our study tonight. Um. Any other insights or thoughts about Proverbs? Any favorite Proverbs you can quote? We have a very quiet class tonight. It's going to be one of those nights. Anybody? Yes, sir. We'll get Roy over there. We're going to keep you, keep you walking, Roy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Mr. Will. I don't remember exactly which proverb it is. And I, I could spend a few minutes trying to find it, but basically okay. it says uh, a foolish person gets angry at an insult, but a wise man is happy to overlook an insult. Mm -hmm. And I just really like that because, you know, it's easy to get offended and to get angry 
about a lot of things, mm-hmm. but that almost never helps anything. Yeah. And somebody who's wise can take that in stride and deal with it in a mature way. Yeah, good I point. Just, I really like that one in particular. I always appreciated, I don't know if you remember the example, but King David was basically running from the palace. He was fleeing because there was a, a coup attempt by his own son. And in the process of leaving, a man who was loyal to Saul, do you remember, started cursing at him and throwing dirt and stones at him. Now, this is the king, King David, right? So what did King David do about that? Anybody remember? He could have just said to one of his bodyguards, hey, you know, take care of this guy, right? Anybody know what he did? Now, he, the first time he encountered him, he completely ignored him. And he basically said, you know, he's, he's, he's got some issues he's dealing with. Uh, he's angry. Uh, we're just going to go our way peacefully. And I thought, uh, Will, I thought that was very notable of David, the king, who ignored a man who was throwing rocks and dirt and hurling insults at him. Now, later, on his return trip, the guy asked for forgiveness and I, I can't. I'm, I better be careful here. I can't remember all the details, but I think something kind of bad happened to this guy later, because he so showed such disrespect toward the Lord's anointed. But, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was an interesting reunion. Uh, but, but I appreciated that about David's character. David was far from perfect. I mean, if you study his life, you'll see that he made a lot of serious errors, but God still loved him, and he's labeled as a man after God's own heart. But he showed, in that case, patience and mercy and overlooked a, a wrongdoing. Uh, wow, where do you start with Proverbs? It's amazing, an amazing book. Uh, in your outline, you have a proverb is basically a short, clever saying, which offers wisdom to the listener. Um, King Solomon probably wrote most of the Proverbs. Um, the Bible says, this is actually in 1 Kings 4.29. Uh, who would like to read that for me in your outline? Have a volunteer? Anybody? Yeah, you can read it off the outline here. Lisa, thank you. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan, the Ezrahite, and Heman. Is that Calcol? Yeah, sorry, those are hard names. Calcol. Uh, your, and Dar- your guess is as good as mine, and so Darda, go for it. The sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. You want me to finish yeah, that? Yeah, keep going to the he end of that section. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. Yeah, it's a fascinating uh in, in my mind, at least, this guy is so 
endowed with incredible wisdom. I mean, clearly this is a gift from above. People came from all over the world to hear Solomon. Kings came and, and uh, you know, just how he had that much wisdom and insight. And, and what's interesting, in Ecclesiastes, he goes on to describe some of his pursuits, like biology, he studied aqueducts and how to irrigate farms, and he, and he was into architecture and animals, and, and I suspect um, when, he, when he wrote about all of these things, he makes reference to that in the book of Ecclesiastes. So... Uh, what a fat, I mean, wouldn't you love to spend an hour or two with Solomon just to pick his brain and, and listen to this wisdom that comes pouring out of him? So um, it, first thing, I guess, from the book of Proverbs we can, we can realize is that the wisdom that is shown in, in the book of Proverbs, which comes from Solomon, ultimately is a gift from God. So, um, However, it is written in a poetic form, so we have to be careful as we go through and read the book of Proverbs. It's not necessarily Jewish law, right? Like some of the books like uh, Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Um, and it's not necessarily a record of miracles or events that happen. It's more of a poetic form of, of teaching and wisdom that is passed on from generation to generation, certainly applicable in our lives. But we have to remember we're reading a book of, of poetry, of Jewish literature. Uh, the, wis the word for wisdom in Hebrew is, I believe this is how you pronounce it, chokmah, chokmah. That's uh, wisdom. And according to uh, one person that I was reading uh, about the book of Proverbs, wisdom in Hebrew, I've never studied Hebrew, but I understand that you can either have a, a male or a female um, association with those words. In this case, uh, chokmah is feminine. Or, or female. So um, this type of wisdom is not just knowledge, but the application of knowledge in everyday use. So here's, a, here's an interesting thought about chokmah. Uh, the Hebrews, if they saw a very skilled um, uh, like craftsperson who built something or carved a statue or could fabricate something, I think of the men in, that were helping with the, the building of the tabernacle in the book of Exodus. Aholiab was one of them. But to the, to the Jews, uh, chokmah was best demonstrated when somebody took a concept in their mind and through the skill of their hands and tools, they had this beautiful creation. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. You made that? So to them, it was applied knowledge, right? something tangible that you could see, chokmah. So wisdom is sort of like, it's not just going to school and getting all the facts in your head. Chokmah is when you apply it in your life and people can see decisions of wisdom and how it produces good things in your life. Does that make sense? hope that... It's kind of like you're a craftsman of knowledge and you apply it in wise ways and you benefit and people like, Wow, that's amazing. Like a, uh, a very skilled craftsperson. Um, so the idea here in this second par uh, paragraph is that Hulkmah was like a skilled tradesperson or a craftsman who, who had that ability to um, create something tangible that we could see. So if, if we apply wisdom in our lives today, 
uh, that applied wisdom will result in uh, positive outcomes and God will bless us. But here's a catch, and I want everybody to understand this when we read Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is not a guarantee for blessings in your life. Does that make sense? All right, Stacy's frowning. I'll, I'll expound. What it means is if you live God's wisdom out, you will be blessed, right? God will bless you by being a wise person and following his ways. But does that spare you from hardship? The answer is no. Will that spare you from moments where you weep or grieve if you're a wise person? No. As a matter of fact, if you go past Proverbs into the book of Ecclesiastes, you actually see Solomon saying, you know, there's times in life where you see good people suffering and evil people prosper. What's that all about? All right. Dennis has a comment back there. So that's all I'm saying is, yes, you're going to be blessed and you'll, and you'll benefit from, from using wisdom, but it's not necessarily a guarantee that life will be all happy. This yes, is sir. not proper, about Proverbs, but uh, I stumbled across Psalm 73 once upon a time. Oh, yeah. And that tells One you. One of my favorites. Exactly just saying i love psalm 73 it's a psalm of aesop not yeah but it, everybody needs to read that <laughs> uh-huh yeah if you if you start feeling a little angry or jealous about the um the lack of justice when you see evil people seem to get ahead and prevail and the good people seem to suffer you know what's the old saying good guys come in last you know what's up god you know why don't you bless me i'm trying to be righteous here so the, uh, that Psalm 73 sort of comes to this conclusion in the end of the chapter saying, but, but we know what happens in the end to evil people. So I don't want to belabor the point, but just understand that, yes, by all means, apply what you read in Proverbs, but don't somehow think that the application of that wisdom always guarantees you that there will be positive outcomes in your life. As a matter of fact, last time I checked, if we follow Jesus and his teachings, we're sort of inviting trouble from the world, right? The world's going to hate us. And they may not be nice to us. They may mistreat us intentionally. So just keep that in mind as we read the book of Proverbs. Um, here I made a point. I like the concept of building our life on the rock Jesus Christ. Even when the storms hit, we know our foundation and the building are strong. God will carry us into eternity even though we face storms during this life, Matthew 7, 24, Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them <clears throat> is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. So build your foundation on Jesus and follow um, the Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is a theme that we find quite a bit in Proverbs. And fearing the Lord equates to three things. One is to have reverence and awe. I think about Moses who bowed down before the Lord and worshiped him. Uh, to fear the Lord means that we uh, follow his example. We follow his, his moral laws and standards and then also to humble ourselves before God. All right, what I want to do now, unless there's, is there any thoughts or comments on Proverbs? Anything you want to talk about more? I want to, I've not done this before, but there's a, a place on the internet called The Bible Project.
and they do a good job at drawing and sort of outlining books of the Bible or chapters. And so what I want to do is uh, let you kind of see the big picture of Proverbs, and then we'll talk a little bit in a minute about um, what that means. I'm going to give you some copies of the of the diagram and drawings that you'll see, and then we can talk about that in more detail. So I think Samuel's got this thing queued up and ready. So we're going to watch the Bible Project on the book of Proverbs. I think you'll find it really interesting. You can look at this yourself on YouTube um, under the Bible Project Proverbs. The book of Proverbs. The word proverb typically refers to a short, clever saying that offers some kind of wisdom, and this book has a lot of those. But they're almost all in the center section of the book, chapters 10 to 29. But there is way more going on in the book of Proverbs, especially at the beginning, chapters 1 through 9, and the conclusion, chapters 30 and 31. The book's been designed with an introduction, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and it first of all links this book to King Solomon. Now remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon had asked God for wisdom to lead Israel well. And so Solomon became known as the wisest man in the ancient world. And we're told in 1 Kings chapter 4 that he wrote thousands of proverbs and poems and collected knowledge about plants and animals. So Solomon was like the fountainhead of Israel's wisdom literature. So while not all the material in this book is written by him personally, he is where Israel's wisdom tradition began. The introduction says that by reading this book, you too can gain wisdom. Now wisdom for most of us means knowledge, but the Hebrew word chokhmah means much more than just mental activity. It refers to action also. So think skill or applied knowledge. This is why back in the book of Exodus, chapter 31, it was artists and craftsmen in Israel who were said to have chokhmah. So the purpose of this book is to help you develop a set of practical skills for living well in God's world. And this gets linked with another key idea in the introduction, the fear of the Lord. Now fear here is not about terror. It's about a healthy sense of reverence and awe for God and about my place in the universe. It's a moral mindset that recognizes I am not God and that I don't get to make up my own definitions of good and evil and right and wrong. Rather, I need to humble myself before God and embrace God's definition of right and wrong even when that's inconvenient for me. Now this introduction leads us into the first main section of the book, chapters 1 through 9, which also doesn't contain short one-liner proverbs. Rather, what we find here are 10 speeches from a father to a son about how the son should listen to wisdom and cultivate the fear of the Lord and live accordingly, which means a life of virtue and integrity and generosity, all of which lead to success and peace. The father warns his son also about folly and evil and stupid decisions that will breed selfishness and pride, all leading to ruin and shame. And so the son should make the pursuit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord his highest goal in life. And this way of thinking, it forms the moral logic of this entire book. Now these speeches from the father also clue us into what biblical wisdom literature is and how it's different from other parts of the Bible. 
These books explore how to live well in God's world, but wisdom is not the same as law, like what Moses gave Israel at Mount Sinai. And it's not the same as prophecy, divine speech to God's people. Rather, wisdom literature has the accumulated insight of God's people through the generations about how to live in a way that honors God and others. And so, through the book of Proverbs now, these human words about wisdom have been put together as God's word and wisdom to his people, which connects to the other thing you find in chapters 1 through 9. There are four poems from Lady Wisdom. Here, wisdom has been poetically personified as a woman who calls out to humanity to pay attention and to seek her. Wisdom says that she is woven into the fabric of the universe, and so wherever you see people making wise decisions, they are relying on her. So you see someone being generous or having sexual integrity or upholding justice. They are drawing on wisdom. These Lady Wisdom poems, they're a creative, poetic way of exploring this idea that we live in God's moral universe and that goodness and justice are objective realities that we ignore to our own peril. And so fearing the Lord, living wisely, it's living along the grain of the universe. Now together, these two sets of speeches from the Father and Lady Wisdom, they make a powerful claim about this book, that you're not simply reading good advice. You're reading God's own invitation to learn wisdom from previous generations. And so in the next section of the book, chapters 10 through 29, we find hundreds of ancient proverbs, and they apply wisdom and the fear of the Lord to every life topic you could imagine. Family, work, neighborhood, friendship, sex, marriage, money, anger, forgiveness, alcohol, debt, everything. And these are all filtered through the value system of Proverbs 1 through 9. Now these Proverbs, they're all pretty short. They're easy to memorize. And actually this section of the book is meant to become a reference work that you return to time and time again throughout the years, which raises some important issues in learning how to read these Proverbs. First of all, Proverbs are by nature about probabilities. So you fear the Lord and you make wise, good choices things will likely go well for you. And if you don't fear the Lord, you're foolish, your life will likely not go so well. Now, that is all often true, but not always. Which leads to the next point, that Proverbs are not promises. They're not formulas for success. So, some Proverbs, for example. The fear of the Lord prolongs your life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Or, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. So yes, fearing God, being a moral person, will most likely lead to a better, longer life. And raising your kids in a stable, loving home does set them up well. But there are no guarantees. Lots of things can and often do go wrong in our world. And so lastly, Proverbs by nature focus on the general rule, but not the exceptions, which are many. And the wisdom books actually aren't ignorant of that. The exceptions are what the other wisdom books, Job and Ecclesiastes, are all about. And together, these acknowledge that life is too complex for simple formulas, which is why we need all of the wisdom books together to get the bigger picture. This all leads to the final section of the book, two large collections of poems. First, poems from a man named Agur, who begins by acknowledging his own ignorance and folly and his great need for God's wisdom. 
And then Agur discovers that divine wisdom has been given to him in the scriptures, which teach him how to live well. And so Agur is put before us as like a model reader of the book of Proverbs, somebody who's always open to hearing God's wisdom through the scriptures. The final poems are connected to a man named Lemuel. He's a non-Israelite king, and he passes on the wisdom that was given to him by his mom its guidance for being a wise and just leader. And then the final poem is an acrostic or an alphabet poem where each line begins with a new letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the entire poem is about the woman of noble character. It depicts a woman who lives according to the wisdom of Proverbs and stands like a model of someone who takes God's wisdom and then translates it into practical decisions in everyday life, at work or at home, in her family and in her community. So the book opened with words from a father to a son about listening to Lady Wisdom. And so now the book closes by offering the words of a mother to her son about a woman who lives wisely. The book of Proverbs is for every person in every season of life. It's a guide for living wisely and well in God's good world. And that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. Thank you, Samuel, for setting that up. Thank you, Roy, for being a light man. All right. Now, I know the, it was a little hard to read up there because the screen was squished a little, but what I've done is you probably can see on your outline, taken, I've taken those, uh, the drawing and broken it up so we can kind of quickly go through. You see page one where it has the drawings, section one. You should see an introduction to Proverbs. There he talks about the Proverbs of Solomon, uh, gaining wisdom. He talks about Hokman, the uh, word for wisdom, and he has a skilled craftsman. Skill, applied knowledge. And then uh, the fear of the Lord, he gives those three definitions. And then uh, the, the, the introduction is basically 10 speeches from a father to a son. And, it, and we're gonna try to read if we have time uh, the first chapter. Then uh, section one continues. You see after, after the son gives his speeches to the father, we see lady wisdom. Now, does anybody know why Solomon chose a lady to be wisdom? Why It's pers wisdom personified. Okay, have a comment over here, Roy. He's trying to read and, and do the microphone at the same time. Yes, sir. Is it because the Hebrew word for wisdom is feminine? There's a, that's a pretty good chance that's the case. Uh, at least the person I was studying and talking about this concept is it was a feminine word in the Hebrew language. But I thought some of the women may go, well, that's obvious why Lady Wisdom is chosen, because women tend to be more wise than men. And, you know, in some cases that is true, I have to admit. My wife shows great wisdom sometimes and just say, you might want to think about that. But uh, I appreciate the fact that this, uh, the poems of Lady Wisdom are identified in chapter 1, 20 through 33, chapter 3, chapter, all of chapter 8, and all of chapter 9. So remember that Proverbs is basically uh, not just good advice, but it's God's invitation to, to learn wisdom. And so as you read the Proverbs, you might want to stop and say, you know, am I doing these things in my life? 
and will I benefit? Section two, um, after the woman writes her, her uh, four different presentations, then we get into the section where it talks about all the different topics of Proverbs. And you can see these listed um, on, the, on the next graphic scene. Does anybody have a favorite in the Proverbs where it talks about various topics? One that comes to mind? I love the one where it talks about, behold the ant, O sluggard, right? The man who's too lazy to get out of bed and work. And he says, if you just look at the ant, if you'd study the ants and how they work and save up for the winter. I remember Disney years ago, I'm showing my age, but there was used to be a vinyl record and it had some of the Aesop's fables on the Disney record, right? And there was a little grasshopper and... And he would sing and play, the world owes me a living, right? You remember, anybody, am I the only one that remembers that? Meg heard it on her grandmother's stereo, but anyway, the ants took him in and he was going to starve to death because he just wanted to play and party all the time. Interesting. So, uh, the fear of the Lord prolongs your life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. That's a, a proverb, 1027. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. Now, those of you who may have adult children that are not faithful members of the church, it doesn't always mean it's going to come true, right? But in general, in general, those that raise our children uh, to be faithful Christians and lead a good example for them, we'll choose. So he talks about Proverbs and probabilities Understanding that Proverbs are not necessarily promises God makes, but they're general life applications that hold true in most cases. And we see the exceptions listed in the book of Ecclesiastes and in the book of Job. You may recall that in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon uses uh, the phrase meaningless, meaningless. All things are, mean, are vain or meaningless. So why does it have to be? The last two books that I want to talk about uh, are chapters or chapter 30 written by Agur and he basically acknowledges that he doesn't have wisdom he feels like he's lacking uh, I am a brute and have no wisdom but then later he, he realizes that God has revealed the wisdom to him and he shares that and my favorite probably is Proverbs 31 written by Lemuel um, and he shares the wisdom of his mother and then talks about the wise woman and how all the things that she does in her life to show wisdom and she blesses her family, everyone who comes in contact with her. So back to the outline on that first page, I have these three sections of Proverbs. You just looked at the graphic, but um, the three sections are, are the 10 speeches. Uh, there are four, four poems from the wise woman. Section two is the variety of topics. We'll get into that more. And then section three is the last two chapters from Agur and King Lemuel. So, any comments or questions? Any burning questions you have about Proverbs that we can dive into? Was that a pretty good overview? Did you like that? I like the Bible Project. I thought they did a good job. Any thoughts, comments?
Okay. So I really like how in uh, actually in First Kings it talks about how Solomon spoke of beasts and birds and reptiles and fish and all that. And while I think it is saying that he studied animals and learned about them, I think it means a little bit more than that. And you can see that reflected in the, in the Proverbs. He didn't just know about the biology of animals and nature. He also looked for moral meanings and lessons from the animals. So right. you mentioned the ant a second yeah. ago. That's one of the Proverbs that he uses um, where he saw something in nature that is a wise thing. Yeah. A modern example would be how we look at the geese and how they fly in a V formation and we see wisdom in that, how they bear yeah. each other's burdens. And yeah. I just really like how he takes uh, lessons from nature and he sees yes. wisdom in all of God's creation. Not too long ago, I was eating at the Farrell's house and one of our members from church here, he's a kind of a hobbyist into bees, and he just like, I don't know, I'd never seen him really get that excited. He started talking about bees and beekeepers and bee houses and observing bee behavior and all the things that they did. And, and he said, when you really study a bee, it is absolutely stunning how they have such an, uh, an amazing culture in themselves. They have different job descriptions, things that they do. Um, uh, they, they emit pheromones, right, and, and lead people to sources of food. It's just stunning how much um, intelligence God gave a little bee and uh, how dependent we are on them. We probably don't even realize how much we need bees in our world, but... It's a fascinating study. So nature will teach us a lot about the creator, divine creator and his plan. And we can learn a lot by studying insects and animals and, and the animal kingdom. And just the, the complexity of nature and how things work and symmetry and geographic formations. And it's just amazing. I want to read Proverbs 1. I think we've got time. But uh, I appreciated this first chapter, and we actually have the first call of wisdom. This comes from the personified uh, woman of wisdom who calls out in verse 20. So let's start reading together, and then we'll uh, call the class a wrap. What I'd like you to do, if you have a particular proverb that you enjoy, you want to dig in it a little deeper, uh, we can do that. But uh, I'll try to just go through. I kind of call this, um, it's not a deep dive series. We're just going to hit the high points and get through Proverbs, and then, Lord willing, we're going to jump into Ecclesiastes. I have another person who's indicated an interest in helping me teach that. So I'm excited about the wisdom books. But let's read Proverbs 1, and, um, and then we'll conclude our class. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now here's what the father speaking to the son that you heard mentioned in the outline. 
Hear my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are graceful garland for your head and penance for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us and we will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. And now Lady Wisdom calls out. Verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I have called and you refuse to listen. Have stretched out my hand. No one has heeded because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me because they hated knowledge and they did not choose the fear of the Lord would have none of my counsel and despise all of my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. I hope you've enjoyed our class tonight and um, jump in there and start reading Proverbs. Make some notes. We'll talk about it. But we'll continue to listen to uh, Lady Wisdom call out and a father instruct his son on the things of wisdom.
Looks like we've got our classes coming in. In a moment, Roy's going to be leading us an invitation song of 559, Have You Been to Jesus? Do you know who's going to do prayer? Are you going to do the prayer? Okay. All right. Perhaps you were aware that recently there was an awards show on television. Maybe you've been watching it for several years, but uh, it was interesting. I didn't watch it, but I'd seen some posts on Facebook about the entertainment. I don't know if y'all have heard about this or seen it. Uh, I appreciated Judy Shipman posting something, and I understand other members have, from Joshua Rees or Rays, and... Basically, they got into the occult or satanic um, rituals. A man was dressed up in a devil costume, and they were dancing around with pagan horns on their heads. And, and uh, I understand there was an executive for one of the broadcast companies that tweeted, we're getting ready to worship. <laughs> and then they had this show with, well, all I can say is it was pagan and very evil. You might want to check into it. It was disturbing that that was mainstreamed into people's homes. Um, but it made me think, were these people really worshiping, as this uh, broadcast executive said? Did they worship? Who were they worshiping? Why did they dress that way and behave that way? And so whether you think they were worshiping or not, the truth is all of us worship something. People who've never stepped inside of a church building worship something. I want you to think about that. What do you mean, Brother Tom? They don't hold up a hymn book or pray or they don't take the Lord's Supper. No, but they worship. You see, worship is when you assign worth and put something at the top of your list in your life. That becomes a God to you. What's an example? Well, people can worship work, money, entertainment, going to the casino. Some people worship themselves. They become a god to themselves. They are the number one most important thing in the world. And so everybody in the world worships something. You become a slave to something. We Voluntarily, as Christians, worship God. We put him ahead of ourselves. And we follow his commands and his laws, his rules. I appreciate a young man when he posted about this recent demonstration of pagan ritual and worship and dressing up in demonic outfits. He quoted Ephesians 6, what I want to read tonight. Verse 12 we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. 
After the battle, you will be still standing firm. So let me just remind everyone that we are fighting a battle. There's pagan forces. There's the devil out there. He wants to be victorious. He wants to split churches. He wants people to get busy and quit attending church. And so just simply take an inventory. Have you armored up? Are you in the Christian armor? Are you ready for battle? And are you aware that evil forces are out there trying to win you over? So the invitation is simply this. If you're struggling, if you need help, if you need prayer, we'll be glad to help any way we can. But we're all Christian soldiers trying to win the battle and finish strong. And remember that we will meet opposition along the way. And it's being pumped into our televisions, pumped into our lives. It's been demonstrated in our public school systems. Be careful. And remember to put your Christian armor on every day. You represent God. And with God, we will not fail. We're thankful that he sent Jesus. So we're going to sing a song, Have You Been to Jesus? And we invite you to reflect on your life and your spiritual walk. Roy, lead us in a song. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing? Are, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you I'll be seated. We'll just make some quick announcements. Um, here we want to talk just a quick 
about the sick in the congregation. Uh, does anybody know how Wayne Head is doing? Good. I know he was sick for a long time, and they couldn't figure out what was going on with him, and he couldn't get over the crud. So, Okay, good, good. All right, any other that we need to be aware of, keeping our prayer list or sick? I did want to mention uh, Meg's dad, Jack Birch. He uh, is in congestive heart failure, not doing well. Meg went there to be with him today, but he had been going through some confusion, so we're hoping that was just simply a side effect of medication, but we'll keep you posted on that. And pray for Meg. It's always hard to see your aging parents um, fading away, so um, just pray for her. This coming Saturday, we're going to have the uh, singing at Dogwood Bend. That's on Hillcrest Drive. And then we need you there at 225 for the singing. Also Saturday, there's going to be a men's prayer breakfast. We'll start that at 830. We'd like you to sign up if you'll let us know what you can bring to eat. And and if you uh, can't bring anything to eat, just come on. But uh, we're trying to put a a little group food items together. Uh, The Sweetheart Banquet is this coming Saturday night. Saturday is a busy day. 6 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. They do have a sign-up sheet. And Meals on Wheels, that'll be this Sunday. So they're doing soups, chilies, cornbread, and individual desserts. And um, they've got jars in the kitchen, so y'all continue doing that. See Christy if you have any questions, and we appreciate you serving. Picking and Ribs, which is a fundraiser for Lively Christian Camp, that's Saturday, March 4. It's 4 to 6. It'll be at Trenton Crossing. And there's a flyer for more information. If you'd like tickets, you can see Noah or Dale. Uh, there's a table baby shower. This is for Story and Jose Rosales. They're expecting a girl February 20. Gift cards would be appreciated. Walmart, Amazon, Target. And uh, there's a few food cards that would um, be good to pick up for them for dinner the first week or so after um the baby's born, so just keep them in your prayers. Finally, the ladies' devo uh, is coming up. There's a calendar planning session Thursday, February 16. That'll be at 6.30 in the Fellowship Hall. You can see Shannon for more questions about that. What's our count tonight? Okay, 113. Good number. All right, any other announcements before we're dismissed? I appreciate all of you being here tonight, and thank you, ladies, for the great meal. We appreciate those who organized and served us. So we'll now have our closing prayer. I think Roy's going to lead us. Let us pray. Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we ask that as we come before you and we prepare to leave, go back into the world, that you be with us and keep our hearts on your love and your Savior, our Jesus Christ. We ask, dear Lord, that we be aware of what's going on in our surroundings because Satan is making it awful dark for us to live. We ask to give us the strength and the courage to build up and work with one another and to know that We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We ask that you implant into our hearts as we read and study the word that we're able to do an application and talk to folks about this. Dear Lord, we're asking that you be with Wayne tonight, Wayne Head. Help him to 
gather his strength and his courage and put your hand upon him and allow him to come back to join us in the fold. We ask that you be with Meg and her struggles, with her father. We ask that you be with her father, that he doesn't suffer as he goes through this process. And we ask that you, you keep the courage up within Meg, lift her heart, and allow her to walk with her head held high to know that all the good things and all the good times we've had together and that you'll be able to that she'll be able to walk hand in hand with him and talk about the things of the past and dear Lord be with each and every one of us give us the words to speak to one another this we ask in Christ's name Amen <laughs>